being the worst, episode 14, recorded live, Monday, October 22nd, 2012. From beingtheworst.com, it's the Being the Worst podcast. Audio apprenticeships for the aspiring software craftsmen. With your hosts, Carrie Street and Renat Abdulin. In this episode, Carrie and Renat continue discussing the Car Factory sample domain from episode 12. Then, they cover its domain.test project and the updated specifications and testing approach within. And now, here are Carrie and Renat. Okay, we are back a few moments from the last episode we just recorded, which was a nice long tangent. And in this episode, we're going to stay on topic, and I'm going to laser focus my questions to keep uh, us both on track. So, Renat, my first question is, what role do Russians really believe the United States played in the demise of the former Soviet Union? Okay, well, you should start or uh, go back to the very beginning of the Blue Book by Eric Evans. And if you pay close attention, that there are already hints there. So that's actually an, quite an interesting topic, We're and not, I'm really glad you asked it. We're no, okay, no, so, I'm, not, I'm not even going to let you talk about it. <laughs> I, that was, I wasn't intentionally trying to divert you. <laughs> but uh, we could talk about it if you'd like, but it's certainly not relevant to this episode. What would you like to do, Rita? The decision comes down. Okay. Let's try to keep up with the challenge of fitting within the 20-minute time box mm-hmm. that we're trying to keep up okay. with their, you know, being the worst podcast. But because of Kerry's ability to ask interesting questions, we're continuously failing that challenge. <laughs> That's fair. Fair enough. And, and maybe in another podcast or a different show or some special episode, we can get into Renat's thought on the Russian opinion on that particular question. Because you made a joke about it in the past, and I was like... Really, I wonder what actually they do think about it. Do they think it was better before? Or, hmm, interesting. But anyway, I'm, don't even comment, Renat. If you comment, we will start down that road. <laughs> so, so I'm going to jump right in. The episode that we said we were going to create was finishing the uh, finishing something, finishing the factory domain. We we didn't get into the domain dot test project, and that's what we're going to cover this time. So. I'm scared to ask this one question, Renat, about the uh, iFactory state, but uh, I'll ask it anyway. I don't think that'll get us off into a different uh, land here. But um, when we go into the project that is relevant to review this episode, uh, so the sample code is a continuation of ep- episode 12's code. We covered the domain in episode 12, and we're covering the tests project in this episode. When you combine those two together in the domain, when we were talking about the DSL and one of the cool tricks that it does with its interfaces, uh, with its interface keyword, is it sort of helps you not forget to implement messages that you uh, added <laughs> to an aggregate uh, that an aggregate is supposed to handle. And in, in that episode, in episode 12, Renat was looking at the code, and when he got to factory state, which was inside of the domain project, application services, factory folder, there was a file factorystate.cs, and when you open that up, that class is not claiming to implement any interface. And I believe it or not, you said, in reality, it should try to implement the iFactory state interface so that the power of the DSL warnings and failure to compile would take effect there. Uh, is that true? Yes, yes. So, so when we do that in the existing code, and I say, you know, colon iFactory state, when I do that, 
and try to build, I get a whole bunch of errors about uh, stuff. And uh, I'll tell you what that error is so that you can tell us how to solve it. The error you would get if you took the existing code and just tried to do that is something around cannot implement an interface member because it is not public. So what's causing that and how do we fix it? So uh, the com- compiler throws error, the defense compiler throws error, because factory state doesn't have uh, public methods which have when name and which have a parameter matching uh, to each of the events. So in order to start fixing the method, uh, like this compiler error, you would need first to rename all in- announced inside factory methods to be renamed as when, and then make them public. And then probably you will discover that there are a few additional uh, event methods that are still missing, so they will need to be added. And I'm not sure how it works in Visual Studio without Resharper, mm-hmm. but Resharper, you can like click Alt-Enter on the red squigglies and ask to implement missing members. So it will implement method signatures for you. You just need to erase not implement exception throws. So when I look inside of factory state right now, the existing code, mm-hmm. make sure you're looking at the right one. I am. When I look inside of factory state, there's a bunch of when methods already there, and they're the when methods that correspond to the interface. So yes, that's a set of when methods. Mm-hmm. So uh, in order to make this work, first we derive factory straight from i factory state. Mm-hmm. Then there'll be red squigglies. Uh, actually, in my case, uh, the red squigglies on the void when methods. It says non-public method when cannot implement method from interface i factory state. So you would need to make this private methods public ones. Void when, void when, void when. Oh, oh, all those whens just need to be made public, not not private by default. Absolutely. So very simple. Cool. All right. That was too easy. So I will get rid of that for now and fix it later. Make them public and it's simple. The only reason I didn't do that, the obvious approach, was I wasn't sure if inside of the factory state, you know, because we're using state to sort of protect the changes of our aggregate, I didn't know if making those when methods public was a bad thing and we weren't allowed to do that or something like that, you know? Well, so basically, it's when methods, they should be kept private. However, in this case, we want to benefit from the power of interface, which is maintained by the DSL tool and prevents us from breaking stuff. And there is a slight trade-off to be made, which like forces you to use public. Okay. Uh, there is in C-sharp way to keep these methods what kind of private. It's You can switch them to explicit implementation. Mm-hmm. For example, if you look at public when car produced, you can actually type instead. Uh, so if you, uh, if you roll back, so you have void when car produced, mm-hmm. uh, and can add ifactory state dot when. Yes. This will make this method as explicit. This means that the factory state class will not have this method as public. Yet, I factory state class will have will be implementing this method. I see. It's a trade off with a level of complexity, and it's not new. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a trade off, but but the the additional syntax probably isn't worth it because, especially if you're mainly the one using your aggregates, you just know not to do stupid things like modify your state directly and things. So, cool. All right. Awesome. So, actually. Early warning, this is not going to be 15 minutes uh, offside topic. Uh, <laughs> but this uh, situation where we're trading off 
like strict following the principles of aggregates of event sourcing, where all the insights are hidden. And we decide consciously to make these methods public just so that we could benefit from the interface capabilities of DSL tool. It's just another example of how uh, it's not always worth it to stick to the principles, to stick to the concepts to the very end. Sometimes a small step away from the rules can gain you quite much. Agreed. Cool. All right. Well, now that my project will build, if I implement the interface as it should, we're going to dive into the sample code in the project of domain.test. So in domain.test or not, why don't you just tell us where to start and we'll start going through it. Okay. Uh, So in domain.test, which will be a sample project for this uh, podcast when we are right there. So it's a usual unit test project, which we supplemented with a simple test runner just because we used to have it in previous episodes mm-hmm. and you don't have any unit installed or uh, like really nice integration with Sharper. So uh, the main test project production uh, cases, it's usually the assembly, DLL library, uh, which is executed by unit tests and which is executed by uh, your local unit test runner when you're developing and which is also verified by your continuous integration tests when you push the changes to the remote Git repository. Mm-hmm. And these unit tests, like these are the main deliverable of this project. These unit tests serve the purpose of capturing the contracts of aggregates and also describing these contracts using the specifications. And the only real changes, well, there weren't that many changes to existing uh, event sourcing syntax as we knew it. However, like there were a few uh, small ones. First, we're... Like in current approach of uh, LOCAD, we're testing not exactly aggregates directly, but we're testing application services. So this uh, sometimes can be called black box testing because like we're testing multiple objects that are composed together. However, it's since our application services are quite simple and straightforward, they're just wired concepts, the wire dependencies together, uh, that's not uh, a big deal. Plus, as we've discovered uh, in practical experience, uh, when you're testing methods, so you need to have some uh, nice way to describe these methods in specification style. And you can either use expressions, which are compilable, they're compilable expressions in C-sharp, and you can use some nice tricks to make them readable. Or alternatively, you can just use application services and test them, and then you'll get uh, self-descriptive capabilities of commands. Okay. okay. Uh, so if we look, for example, at produce car unit test, uh, which is located inside application services factory folder. Got it. So as you notice, a uh, factory uh, folder structure of a uh, test suite, it uh, mimics the folder structure of the domain project. Mm-hmm. This is much easier to navigate and find your way around the solution. Uh, also, the classes inside this factory test folder, they have names which are actually matching the names of the commands or the names of the methods of an aggregate. So uh, by looking at my factory application services slash factory folder inside domain test, I see files called assign employee to factory, uh, open factory, produce car, transfer shipment to cargo bay, and load shipment from cargo bay. It's a coincidence, but these are actually commands that can be sent to this application service. And these are also methods which are wired to these commands and which are implemented by the aggregate. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy and intuitive to understand where you can find 
specific testing code and maybe which testing code is missing. Got it. Okay, inside each of the test uh, classes, which have names matching to the method calls or command names, we have a set of scenarios which test this specific method call or command. So, for example, let's start looking at a method call, well, unit test called fry not assigned to factory. Mm -hmm. It says, given when then, the syntax is slightly different. Instead of assigning event messages, both commands and events, to properties, uh, now we're uh, passing them as arguments inside method calls on the test suite. So we say that given factory was opened, which is an event, when we produce car, we expect, in this case, it's an exception. Okay. Okay, so I hope so far the transition between previous tests and new tests is rather straightforward. Yes, the um, it was mainly the main difference is in that when right when in the previous episodes we were using direct method calls in the when clause and now we're actually sending the real messages. Yes, uh, the problem with uh, the direct method calls was that it wasn't producing nice specifications. Now, if you compile and actually run fry not assigned to factory, and uh, you see the specification being printed on uh, your urine test, you will see that it's the when part is now as nicely written as all the other parts. I see. Okay, uh, so let's switch to something slightly more interesting. As we know, our uh, produce car method, it actually takes a domain service. So if you go into the uh, factory aggregate, Inside the produce car method, you will see that one of the dependencies being passed is the main service, which is responsible for car blueprints library. And there are some methods that depend on the functionality which are provided by the service. And in some cases, we might be willing to create mock objects, although I personally don't like mock uh, frameworks. Uh, sometimes we can implement stub services, which is in essence simple implementation of an interface which is used only in a specific unit test. Okay. However, uh, here I may be pushed the concept of aggregates with event sourcing slightly a bit too far because I want to have my domain services not only be testable but also provide and be documented in specifications as well. Well, the in domain service case, will be documented in the test as well? Yes. Oh, okay. So uh, if you... Can you actually run in unit tests like one by one in your uh, Visual Studio? Uh, I think so. Let me... I'm going to build real quick and try that. You uh, run unit test called part found. This unit test uh, depends on a blueprint for the Ford. And uh, our domain logic says that if we try to build a car for which we don't have spare parts, then we should get uh, an exception. Which one did you want me to try to run by itself? Part not found. All right, let me try. I think I can. Yes, and it fails. And you go into the description of the failure. Uh, so it will say, given factory was opened, registered car design Ford with re following requirements, uh, well, we require one chassis, and given the fact that new worker joins our forces by the name of Fry, when we ask employee Fry to produce a car Ford, 
then the domain error is thrown, which is part not found. And one event in this specification uh, does not belong to the factory. It is a registered car design forward with the following requirements. This is actually uh, the trick that we're using in this specific project, which allows us to set up domain services as if they were aggregates with event sourcing as well. So if you go in your code into the class called test blueprint library, mm -hmm. you'll find that it implements iCar blueprint library, so it can be passed as a dependency to our aggregate. It also has uh, an implementation of a method of uh, which is try get blueprint for model or null. And it provides answer for this method by using in-memory dictionary of known designs. So our test blueprint library is just a dictionary which we can populate in our unit tests. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the naive way of implementing test blueprint library usually. So in your uh, specifications, you fill this test stub objects with predefined designs, which we, you know and which exist only within the scope of unit test, and then you test your aggregate service using these this predefined designs. However, since I really like and want to make this test service participate in event sourcing and written specifications, we've added an additional method there, which is called record blueprint. All this method does, it returns a new event, uh, which is like a fake short-lived event called spec setup. And this event, it has a description, and it also has a delegate passed. So basically, when we uh, call record blueprint, it's a function that returns as an event. And when this event is actually executed by the testing framework, it will automatically set this test blueprint library to have this known design inside its temporary library. This sounds weird, which is probably indication that I went a bit too far here. <laughs> well, I'm looking in the test blueprint library, and I was just I got lost there for a second, but I see the public eye event type that you're returning. I think if I looked at that a few more minutes, it probably wouldn't be that crazy. It seems kind of cool. Well, that's a problem. Uh, if stuff seems to be cool and not simple, that's a slight indication that something has gone wrong there. So hopefully within the next few more months, of uh, production experience, well, and being uh, like actually babysitting these unit tests, we'll be able to simplify this uh, approach. So all that I've been saying about aggregates with event sourcing and specifications, that's probably will stay valid. However, I'll try to simplify the approach with uh, testing domain services. Okay. So uh, long story short, one of the cool quote-unquote tricks with uh, aggregates with event sourcing is that you can use fake events to set up domain services, fake domain services, in such a way that they're, when the testing framework executes the, these events, this automatically wires the test services to the state which it would be expected inside an aggregate, inside the unit test, and also these events will be used to write specifications. Okay, having that unnecessary complexity out of the way. <laughs> so we're talking about the produce car method. So uh, the second, uh, second event in a given specification of part not found scenario of produce car test suite is actually our invocation of record, uh, record blueprint setup. 
which sets wires our domain service to return blueprint of one chassis whenever uh, the aggregate would be asking for Ford blueprint. I'm good. Okay, and 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 maybe one of the ways to do this uh, in a more simple way is to actually not test application services, but test aggregate itself and find some simpler way to express method calls there. And then use not event-sourced domain services for testing, but use simple stub objects. You might lose a little bit of uh, specification capabilities so that this test domain services, they will need like manually handwritten documentation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what I used before arriving to this scenario. I think and I like this one better. <laughs> you know, here, like I feel a little, a little bit uh, complexity and since it wasn't immediately intuitive to you, so which uh, actually indicates a huge drawback in the approach. It's well, hard to explain. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it wasn't immediately intuitive to me because I was clicking around the solution and checking audio levels or if it's actually complex. So I would say, well, at least from my perspective, <laughs> I want to glance at it a little longer before, you know, you you should know by now that if I'm reading something and it seems like it makes no sense, you're going to get a flood of emails that says, what are you thinking here? <laughs> you know, So I don't know. I, could, I couldn't give an opinion on if I think it's complex or if I would just was distracted. So to do so during that uh, you'll probably discover the immense ingenuity of my talent of arriving at unnecessary complexity. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the core difference of this approach, like the, uh, the current approach, uh, which is implemented in this sample for the episode, and it also maps to a existing unit tests, which I currently have in the business logic of LOCAD, is that we test application services in their entirety, and that we test uh, domain services, which are being set up by fake unit, uh, fake, fake events, which are not persisted anywhere. Instead, they are executed by the framework as soon as they arrive there. And this is used for them to uh, add additional uh, specifications. Okay. Okay, so what else? <laughs> uh, the entire unit testing framework is available within the same domain test project, so it doesn't use anything complicated. If you want, uh, it's relatively easily extendable or customizable. Mm-hmm. And I would strongly recommend uh, advice against trying to, to make fra- uh, like standalone framework out of this project, but rather just to copy uh, the files if you want to use them. Okay. And then also this framework actually includes another micro framework which is called compare objects. Uh, it's inside the compare compare objects uh, .cs file, and this is helper code taken from uh, compare net and it basically allows you to take two objects within .net and provide a difference which is human readable uh, between their states. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's what I'm using to make, uh, basically, when we're comparing events, for example, the expect, uh, expected events and mm-hmm. actual events, uh, we're trying first uh, comparing their string representations. Uh, however, our events might be different in their properties, but our string implement, uh, implementations might be similar. 
Uh, in this case, like for example, if both events have default to string implementation, then mm -hmm. it will return full type. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, in this case, like this unit testing framework actually falls back to compare objects class so that it will uh, do step property by property recording of the properties or uh, property by property different diff between all the members and produce a nicely readable output. Okay. And the main reason for that was because of the way that we're generating these error messages or like before, as much as I recall, the I don't believe we had the compare objects class in our old testing. What are we mm -hmm. doing differently these days that requires the use of it? Oh, okay. So uh, previously when we were comparing different events on the binary level, we were just serializing them. Mm. And serializing and performing byte-by-byte uh, -byte comparison of uh, binary representations. Okay. However, this approach is that simple, but it has one drawback. If you find the difference, what would you do? <laughs> and in case of compare objects, uh, we perform member-by-member uh, -member comparisons of objects, and uh, this compare objects helper will print us actual list of properties that differ. Mm. Like, for example, if uh, one event has an array of two car parts and the other event has an array of two car parts but the second car part has different properties, then compare objects will be able to print this out nicely. I see. Cool. So that's a small thing and that's just something that really speeds up uh, debugging and finding issues. Okay. Okay, so are there any questions? Uh, let's see. I'm looking at... so. Maybe a quick recap from your perspective on when we look at this project, domain.test, if we compared that to episode sevens, you know, when we were just doing the, the specification testing, because when I look at the code, it doesn't look dramatically different other than the using messages instead of direct method calls. Mm -hmm. Is that really all that's changed? Or what, how would you summarize the, the evolution of the testing framework? Or slightly, basically just slight, uh, a few slight improvements. Mm -hmm. that make the code a little bit more pretty, a little bit more easy, and a little bit more fun to edit and read. Okay. Uh, in the short term, that's not essential, but when you're maintaining the project over the course of months and years, uh, you want to stay happy about that project. And like it is with any relationship, you have to add all these small things just to make sure that every day there is enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least to make sure that there are more enjoyable days than there are sad ones where you have to go inside of the business logic that went hairywire on the server and now you have to find out uh, what the heck, where the heck did you mess up. That sounds like you're speaking from painful experience there, Rina. <laughs> yes, uh, painful experience if you wasted weekends uh, and then realizing that there was some stupid mistakes in the configuration or deployment. <laughs> Oops. What I'm going to do anyway is take the rewording of the domain that I have in progress and apply that stuff to this domain project and test project so that when I'm done, I have the new project and solution structure, the new approach to testing and application services uh, combined with my new DSL messages and uh, syntax or language that I like to use. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Well, I think that'll do it. That wraps it up. Uh, any final thoughts? 
Uh, I think we're managed to make it within the 20 minutes. Yeah, if you subtract the opening question and the joking about uh, uh, history of the United States and the USSR Cold War, uh, I think we're, yeah, we're at about 20 minutes, so we're good. <laughs> oh, okay, terrific. Uh, so uh, this was just proven that this, this is possible. It is possible. Oh, okay, so we're also, and we'll try to record some more additional episodes for the upcoming weeks in advance because the schedules are pretty messed up. But so far, folks, thanks for staying to, uh, with us and thanks for posting the comments and sharing questions and just supporting us. And by the way, one of the side effects of being the worst is that DSL project that was a part of Locat Secure before. Uh, now it's more nicely done and reusable standalone project within the GitHub. Yes, congratulations on that. That was uh, really cool to carve the DSL tool out like that. It's on GitHub, and actually I did have a link to that uh, in episode 12's uh, notes, and probably will add one to this one as well because we're still using it in both. So it's really cool. Check it out. Uh, the, sor- the source and everything is available, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, so if you want to learn uh, a little bit more about maybe lectures and parsers and how do you make code generators, it's a good thing to poke around in. It uh, seems pretty straightforward and Kind of fun. We might have to do an episode on that one day too, if you're not. That would be fun. Cool. All right. Okay. See you guys later. Have a good have a good day in California. Uh have a good evening. <laughs> Bye. See ya.